Well, it's time for In the Chains, the UK-based podcast for amateur disc golfers. Get ready for course reviews, disc reviews, and the latest news and updates from the disc golf world. Your hosts will also talk about their own progression and have a lot of fun along the way. And now, here they are, two Brits and one Yang. Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a brand new episode of In The Chains, your favorite amateur disc golf podcast, bringing you the latest news and topics from the disc golf world. I'm your favorite American, Dennis, and I'm joined, like always, by my two favorite Brits, the bangers to my mash, Bowen and Duffy. How's it going, boys? <laughs> what was that? Um, yeah, I'm good, mate, Ta. I'm just going to say good evening, Dennis, and leave it there. You know, it, it, was, it was worth a try. Um, I have low self-esteem, so if you guys can please just give me a pity laugh, I'll, I'll, I'll appreciate that. I'll get a laugh to track in. Oh, that works too. Hey, listen, before we, be, uh, before we begin, uh, we just want to thank everyone who downloaded and listened to our first episode last week. Thank you guys for making it a huge success. Uh, without you guys, we would have no listeners, and then there's no point in us doing this. So thank you very much. I also want to take a quick uh, second to make a correction from last week. Uh, I sounded like a complete asshole when I couldn't think of the creator of the DMP challenge. So formally, I would like to acknowledge Jamie Matthews from Team Ace as the one who created the DMP challenge that everybody's been doing. Um, so what a great segue to talk about what we've done this week. Um, what have you guys been up to since the last time we spoke? Uh, I went out and did some field work on Sunday. I did the DMP challenge and got me a nine-year-old daughter to film it. I'd, I've edited it so that it all ties in together, but we've had to cut the volume out because of her talking. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to be stood in the field in the cold, really. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, can, can you blame her? I wouldn't want to be doing that either. Uh, what about you, Duff? What have you been up to? Much the same, really. Um, bit of field work, been out a few times. Uh, had a go at the DMP challenge, uh, which I'm sure will... Uh, We'll compare notes on uh, shortly. Um, other than that, not a lot really, because there's n- not a lot you can do, is there? Uh, true. Um, so when you guys go out and do your field work, are you just kind of throwing in the field? Are you working on your form? Um, or are you getting to the point where you're actually starting to shape those shots and try to get that disc to do exactly what you want to do? Um, basically, as you know, well, as you two know, my form doesn't involve a run-up. Um, the whole, my whole game goes to shit as soon as I start trying to walk up to play a shot. So my my aim is when I do field work is to try and try and get a bit of an X step in uh, to try and generate a bit more power. I mean, I could throw further than both of you without moving. Uh, so I just think if I can get an X step in as well, it'll add to the distance. When and uh... you know, I feel like you were trying to get you, you were trying to get a bite there. <laughs> um, it almost worked. It didn't. It didn't work with me. Yeah, okay, so so what, you can throw farther than us. You know, I, I had that James Conrad run-up where I come from a quarter mile away, get as much speed as I can, and the whole disc goes about 50 meters. So, I mean, it's still further than Bowen's, but still. Oh, well, I've been practicing this week. I've been throwing my mid-ranges a lot, and it's funny that my mid-ranges probably throw as far as my driver, so I need to I need to look at what I'm actually doing wrong. I am just going and practicing. But I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So 30 or 40 meters? Uh, a little bit further than that. But 
I got my forehand working. We'll say 45. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> I got my forehand working this week quite well, so that's a bonus. You know, actually, I, I worked on my forehand um, a little bit this weekend as well, and I finally found something that works for me. Is it the right way? Probably not. Um, but I found out how I need to snap my wrist a certain way uh, to then generate the spin, and I could actually get the disc going pretty straight. Actually, for me, I threw a, a forehand actually today after work, uh, and that forehand went 93 meters. Um, so it wasn't too bad. It was a good shot for me. Um, now I just have to uh, be able to add a little accuracy to it, and I think it'll be a good part of my game. You've been working on that wrist snapper at home quite a lot, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely just an, an up and down. Uh, make sure to keep that palm up. <laughs> um, what type of disc are you using to throw that forehand, Dennis? Uh, it, it depends on the shot. Like So the, the two that I throw most often um, is either the zone... Um, I have a pretty beat-in uh, jawbreaker zone that I like to throw for a short forehand, kind of like an upshot. Um, and then if I need to throw um, a driver, uh, it's either going to be the Thrasher or the Hades. Uh, pretty understable distance drivers, and I like them. However, into a headwind, both of them flip over way too much, even even with the weak forehand. Um, so I may need to to change it up a little bit, but that's that's what I use this weekend. Mostly, and I really liked how both of those released and how they flew. Right. Now's the important question. What kind of distances did we get in the DMP? Okay. So last week, I I set a personal goal for myself of 750 freedom units or feet. <laughs> so let me know what you guys, let me know what you guys got. So we'll start, well, we'll do one disc at a time and then we'll give our total numbers. How's that work? Uh, yeah, not bad. I can only tell you in the proper numbers, like, but I can tell you an overall in your feet. Okay. Uh, well, how far did you throw your putter, and what putter did you throw? I threw, you know that glow lander I got at Quarry Park? Uh, the one we played the night round with? Yes, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, yeah I like it. I threw that, and I got 62 meters out of that. Okay. On my mid-range, I threw a Latitude 64 core. And I got 74 meters on that. And then for the driver, I threw a forehand shot with your disc, actually, Dennis, that you've loaned to me, the the Discraft Machete. Okay. And I got 91 meters with that. Now, off the top of my head, that should add up to 744 feet. I know I've mixed the two measurements. I thought you were about to say 744 meters. No, no, no. No, I think that's pretty good. Um, so 744 feet. Actually, Bowen, that's that's not bad. Yeah, I think I think with with Bowen's forehand, one of the things I feel that you need to work on is your angle control, uh, since you you really like to throw it on that Anheuser. So I think that machete. For those of you who don't know, the the machete is a very overstable disc. Like if 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 an amateur was to throw that on a backhand. Uh, it would be a meat hook, right? It'll go straight a little bit, but it'll turn left. For right-handed backhand players, it's going to be turning left the whole time um, and get to that hyzer. Um, so I think that's a good disc for your forehand until you can start releasing those a little bit flatter um, and then maybe even later on putting a little hyzer on that. So not bad. To give to give Bo, to give Bowen credit on his, on, on his forehand, when it's open, he does get so much distance on it. But it, the problem is, is when... when you got you add trees to the equation. It uh, it's not always controllable, is it? That that's always been the issue in terms of distance. There's there's no question. It's pro- you you throw it further than 
than all of us, I would say, on, on forehand. It's just controlling it. But it, it's a control, yeah. Right, because, yeah, when you throw it, it, it gets it's on that Anheuser, so it really does that flex line where it moves right to left, flexes out, and then it comes back to the right, so it really gains that max distance. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about a hole later on uh, where that shot really works to your advantage. Uh, but let's move over to Duffy. Um, how did your challenge go for you? Um, yeah, not not too bad. About about what I expected, I think. Um, just slightly less than some of the uh, the pro uh, the pros who've <laughs> attempted it. <laughs> um, so my my driver I threw. Uh, be no shock to you two. My MVP uh, relativity, which which I really like, it's probably my my favourite go to long longer range disc. Uh, and I threw three hundred and forty eight feet. Ooh, I threw. Nice. My uh, discraft buzz, two hundred forty six feet. Very good. And I threw uh, launch uh, Baron, uh, one hundred eighty eight feet. What's the combined total? I haven't added it up, so I don't know what. Well, added up. Uh... Come on, check your maths now. It's math. There's no S. No, it's not. <laughs> As Jimmy Carr would say, that would make us assholes. <laughs> Are you going to say I've got smarts? I mean, I do have. I do have smarts. <laughs> I don't use them all the time, but I do have them. Come on, we're, we're coming close to the end of the podcast here, Dennis. Why do I have to do the math? Uh, so 752 feet. Uh, okay. That, that's that's not bad. He beat so, me by eight feet. Uh, by eight feet. So that's not too bad. I did not use freedom measurements because I measured mine on U-Disc, and I have a U-Disc set for meters. So um, I don't have each individual disc in feet. However, I do have a grand total. So I decided today after work uh, to throw the three discs. And for my putter, I threw the Discraft Zone. Um, and I ended up getting 77 meters for that one. Wait, haven't, haven't we had an argument online from other people that the zone's not a putter? Uh, maybe. However, if you look at the challenge and, die, you know... Uh, the zone does count as a putter. It says putter on it. Oh, that's a stretch. It, does this remind you of playing Rip Revenge, Bowen? Yes. You you got a you got a driver of a putter and put with a driver. Oh well, actually, the buzz is it's only a wow. Heard all this before. I I love I love how we skipped over the fact that I I destroyed your guys' distances. You're a hero with my zone. <laughs> I am I. I am your American hero. I know. <laughs> Um, after I threw the zone, I threw a buzz as well, um, and I threw that dude 86 meters. Um, I felt like when I threw it, it was a little short. I probably could get a few oh. more. Um, no, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I can't. No, it stopped showing off. Um, and then for my for my distance driver, I used a Discraft Thrasher. Um, that I, I got a couple months ago, and I really liked it. And I ended up throwing that guy uh, 92 meters. Oh, nice! So uh, that one, that one needs to improve. I think, I think with a little practice, I can get that guy over over 100 meters. We'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I ended up getting my total distance was something to uh, 836 feet. Nice, nice. Yeah. So. Um, after after last week, I, I set a goal for myself of beating uh, 750, um, and I, I did that by 86. However, if we put that same goal to everybody, Bowen, you were short. 
<laughs> um, six feet. Uh, but then Duffy, you surpassed that as well. Uh, so I think that's pretty good for our level. I feel like that's some decent distance. Um, yeah, so that's not bad. So if you're listening to this and you want to tell us how bad we suck and how much further we should be throwing, uh, please send us a message on uh, Instagram and let us know. And I'll, com- I'll commute them then. <laughs> can I ask a question and you two answer honestly? Okay. Did you only throw one shot? Because I only threw one shot for each of them. Did you take your best shots? I threw one practice shot, and then I threw the three shots, and then measured it. I went after work today, so I stretched. I threw a different putter three times to warm up my arm, because I'm old. And then I threw the three shots. Right answer. So that's uh, that's fair. Well, awesome. Well, that sounds like we had a pretty decent week. Um, I'm not sure if I'll do another challenge here right away. Um, I definitely need to work on some stuff. I saw one from, I believe, Josh Birmingham was say go 100 meters out and throw five discs into the circle none of my discs even went 100 meters uh so i'm definitely not ready to do that i agree with that entirely i thought how on earth is anyone throwing it five discs 100 meters yeah i I don't i mean yeah it's it's not happening for me (laughs) um but that's not the only thing that happened uh this week let's let's look at the disc golf world and uh bowen do you have any news news for us what do you got for us this week? Well, I've been working hard this week. I've been trawling the internet again, as per usual. The first point I'd like to make is, make is a slight correction. And uh, the tournament that is on the 8th of May, the women's tournament in Nottingham, there is also another event running alongside. So this is for men as well, and it's the East Midlands Meltdown. I'd like to say thank you to... Cla- I'd like to say thank you to Carol for uh, pointing this out to me this week on Facebook. Um, before we get to the next bit of news, are the registrations for those two tournaments open? Can people go search them on Facebook or the internet and sign up for those tournaments yet? Have they Are they open for registration? As of last week, they were not open, so it's still the same situation at the moment. Keep your eyes out on Facebook, and it will be opening soon. I, I think we posted the, uh, the, the link on the Facebook link on the show notes from last week. So if you you can go back and uh, look that up and uh, give you quick access to it. This is what Dennis has been going mad about. He's wanted to talk about this all week. And it is the news that Ezra Aderhold has signed for Discraft. He's going to be playing with a signature nuke driver. I've got one myself, but I haven't got round to throwing it yet. He signed a two-year deal with the Discraft Elite team, which is Discraft's top team for its top players. How do you feel, Dennis? Yeah, super. Uh, I am super, super excited. Uh, all of last season, I actually followed Ezra um, and watched most of the tournaments that he played in, and this kid was outstanding. And to have him at that time only be sponsored by OTB Discs uh, was amazing. Uh, I knew that after that, after last season, he was going to be picked up uh, by by one of the big companies. Um, I thought it was going to be a toss up between Discraft and Innova. And as being a Discraft snob myself, I am super super stoked that he is now uh, playing for Discraft. I think some big things are going to happen this year. He's going to do really well. I mean, he popped out on the scene last year, um, kind of out of nowhere. He'd been playing obviously for a long time. But yeah, he's gonna he's gonna win some big tournaments. 
this year, um, and I, I, that's my prediction, uh, that kid can throw the discs. You know, you would think somebody who's big and built like that won't have, wouldn't have the flexibility to to get a far reach back and really uh, sling the disc, but man, can he throw. Can I ask you a question, Dennis? Because I've been reading online that he has the potential to be the face of disc golf. What do you think to that? Like, are you asking me if he's beautiful? No, I just mean, like, you know, he's like the... I I, I don't want to say poster child, because I think that's a bit derogatory, but he could be, like... You know, like Paul McBeth is, he could be the new face of disc golf and bring it to the next level. I I can see that. So if we're looking at disc golf as a professional sport, um, which I think all three of us would agree that it is, and it is a sport, um, he has the physique of an athlete, right? He looks like a pro athlete. Uh, I think that's a good image for the sport. Um, It's the same thing with regular ball golf. Um, you know, Tiger Woods many years ago came on the scene and he started working out and showing that you don't have to be some fat, lazy guy who drives around in a golf cart all the time. You need to have muscles and core strength. Um, and he was working out and getting that. And a lot of the ball golfers followed him after that and they started working out. And now there's actual, um, evidence that the better shape you are, the further you're going to hit the ball. And I think that translates very well into disc golf. And so there's going to be more athletes coming. And because he's one of the first that really look like that, he could definitely be the face of disc golf. I think, I think you tend to see that with a lot of sports. So where they, they turn from sort of a more casual game. Uh, and when, when money starts arriving in the sport, you get more people who are dedicated to it, who come in, perhaps change things up a bit, the training methods, cutting out drink, cutting out smoking, becoming more of an athlete. And I think that's what, that's what, uh, you kind of uh, alluding to there. Yeah, I think he also, he needs to win some big tournaments, right? Um, if you look at like who won last season, you know, you got Kevin Jones. I believe he played some college football. He's a big lad, yeah. He, he, he he's, he's, yeah, he, I mean, he's not big. He's not a monster. Um, but yeah, he's, he's muscular. Um, I think Paul McBeth works out. Um, so there, there is that there, that, that essence of being an athlete is there. However, um, you have other people who don't necessarily have that physique, but they have the skill behind it. However, they're not going to be made the face. So if Ezra uh, keeps doing what he's doing and then starts winning some of the major tournaments, he could definitely be the face of disc golf. But I think that's a few years down the road uh, because right now you still have the Paul McBeths, Kevin Jones, James Conrad, um, Eagle McMahon, right? You have these people who, who we as disc golfers know who they are. And they kind of have some bigger personalities. Um, and they're the ones that are always winning. So I think those are going to be the faces before somebody like Ezra would be the face. Well, talking talking about like the big sort of lads, in golf, there's recently been a big argument over Bryson DeChambre. Is it Bryson DeChambre? Yeah. He's a big bloke. He's come into it and he has scienced the hell out of golf. And now everyone's moaning because he's got massive and he can hit the ball further. Yeah, he... Um, if I remember correctly, he did a lot of um, analysis of everything that he does, right? Uh, the wind, um, the what, what kind of grass is, is growing, which direction the sun is coming from. So he took a lot of science into his approach with golf. I think he's some like 6'3 or 6'4. Um, so he's a, he's a tall guy. Um, he's definitely, you know, an athlete. But I think most of the, the younger pro golfers, 
um, have that athletic uh, build. Nice, nice. Right, back onto UK news. I've got another Scottish event for you. It's on the 20th of March, and it's called Ides of Match. It's uh, in Dunbar on the Bluebell Woods Disc Golf Course. It's being played on the Red Course, which is a wooded course. And what's interesting about this is it's a match play event. Like, it's not some, most events are normally stroke play, aren't they? But this is a match play one. I'm quite interested, like, I'll be quite interested to enter this to see how it works. Unfortunately, it's in Scotland, but that is still on at the moment. I was speaking to the organiser, Seamus, so thank you for the info this week. And he says currently it's still on. And he's hoping, because he's got one women's group at the moment, he's hoping if he gets enough people to have a second women's group. So, ladies, we need you to sign up. You make it sound like we actually have a, a huge female population that listens to the show. Well, I'd hope so. <laughs> I must, I must say, I, I, um, I quite like match play because I think you can in stroke play if you have a if you have a really poor hole, it's unforgiving. Whereas match play, you can go to the next hole and it's it's almost start fresh. And uh, I do, I do like it being a competitive me against the other person as opposed to you against somebody else on a different part of the course on a different card uh, I quite like the aspect of competing against a person that you can see so with uh, it, it's hard to say I, for me my strategy would change a lot um, if I were to do a match play uh, event but then also you have to think of like how's the bracket system going because you're playing you're playing against one person at a time I would think rather than the whole field to see who can get the lowest score um, it'd be interesting. Uh, did he say anything about uh, COVID restrictions? If if it's still going to happen on the twentieth, he's unsure at the moment. He's saying that he's hoping that it's going to go ahead because it's in Scotland. They've got slightly different rules to us. I don't want to like say everyone flock up to Scotland to play tournaments. I mean, it's not really responsible. But I think he's hope. Well, we wouldn't we we wouldn't be able to travel anyways. I mean, we're not allowed to travel, so. No, no. I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that people are responsible. If you live in the area, you want to do a tournament. If it goes ahead, stay safe. I'm sure. I'm sure the organisers are going to take into consideration uh, what's happening at the moment in terms of the lockdown, uh, and then adjust the competition accordingly, whether it's changing the date or or what, whatever that might be. But I'm sure they're going to take that into consideration because uh, it's law at the end of the day, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, it would be irresponsible of a tournament director uh, if yeah. they didn't. Can I just throw something in? Talking about, like, what's responsible and not, whatnot, is, what's the difference between going to going into a field, using a travel basket, and throwing discs into that, compared to playing on a course? What is the difference? I would say the travel basket is your basket. You're the only, you're the only one that's touching it. Um, and if you're playing with other people, you should be playing with members of your household who that's your bubble that you're allowed to be in when you're out in an actual park or, a, um, a paid course. Now that basket is being touched by everybody who's in the, who plays that course that day. Um, sometimes you may not abide by the social distancing laws, right? You don't have that, that separation that you're supposed to have. Uh, and that's the big difference is you are now a threat to other people and they're a threat to you where if you use your own travel basket 
that's your basket. You know, nobody else should be playing with you. It's not like you're out with four buddies and your travel basket. You should be out by yourself or somebody in your household and that and that's that's what how you're playing. Because I know I know I know some courses, um, they sort of put like a, a an unwritten rule in place whereby get the disc within sort of two meters of the basket, you you don't bother putting out, you just sort of ha- score yourself a gimme uh, to save you from actually touching the basket. So, I mean, that's that's quite a good thing. But again, all this comes down to what, what the government say you, you can and can't do, whether you agree with it or not. Um, no, I mean, nobody wants to be bloody fine, do they, for uh, for playing disc golf? But, I mean, you, the, the way to look at it is use it to your advantage in terms of like a bit like what we've been doing in, in terms of going out into the field and, and doing and perf- like practicing shots, trying to perfect stuff that you wouldn't necessarily do if you were playing a round of disc golf. Yeah, yeah, I agree. What, what it's really frustrating for me, say if, uh, if I wanted to go to uh, Berkshire, right? No, Bedworth. If I wanted to go to Bedworth, I would be allowed to walk through the park, but I'm not allowed to play disc golf. And this is, I think this is something, uh, that the, the BDGA came out with, uh, asking all disc golfers not to play. Um, even though it's like that instance, it's in a public port, uh, court or public park. But I think it's our, it's our duty as ambassadors to the sport uh, to listen to the guidelines set forth by our governing governing agencies, um, and if they ask us not to play, then then we don't need to go out and play. Um, but it is frustrating when I know people are walking around that park, and I could go to that park by myself and throw, and not you know be a danger to anybody else. Um, so that is a little frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. It's annoying, but it is what it is. Right. There's still no news from James Conrad. He's keeping us like he's keeping us on edge. We want to find out where you're going, mate. Hurry up and let us know. I'm I'm still calling MVP on that one. Yeah, I think we all know. I think we all know it's MVP, but it just hasn't been released yet. But you, you think though, what if if it, if it is, that's the tour. Why not just announce it? What what are they? What would they be waiting for? Probably for him to get used to his bag, figure out what disc he wants, um, and then. Or crossing the T's and dotting the I's, I suppose. Could could be. I mean, these guys these guys are getting paid by these companies, um, so um, I doubt it's like American football where they're holding out for more money. Uh, but they're just making sure that they they're looking out for themselves, which they should be doing because this is now their livelihood. Um, so he needs the best deal that he can possibly get. I wonder how much the the pros who get approached by companies get a chance. First of all of a selection of the discs that they they uh, they make for them to go out and practice by themselves to see how they feel about the disc and whether, how big a how big an influence that actually makes on their decision or whether it's or, or the, the money talks do you do you mean before they before they sign for a company they get some practice discs yeah whether they i'm i'm sure they they're going to have to get some practice in i would have thought but i wonder how much of the discs play a part in the decision as opposed to the the big financial money uh coming in for them i i would hope it has i don't know it's it's tough to say um not saying that anybody's making their decisions based solely on money they're also looking at the company that they're representing they want to make sure that they they fit well together um but i think at that level 
any disc that these guys throw, they're going to be able to throw it well. Um, but I, I think then they're looking at for, okay, what will I be able to do for this company? What's this company going to be able to do for me? Is everything kind of working out? Do we get along as employer, employee? Do me and the other teammates get along? I think all these factors do go in to play. I don't really think it's all about the money. Um, you know, a lot of the money stuff is kind of hidden. I think the only thing on money that I know is that, um, and again, I'm going to be corrected if I'm wrong, but I think Paul Macbeth, when he signed with Discraft, it was a four-year deal, and it was worth like $4 million, which was at that time the highest um, sponsorship deal that Disc Golf has ever had. And I believe Paul Macbeth ended up going with an actual sports agent to get that, um, but that's because he was the number one player in disc golf and and that's you know um kind of what you need to have when when you're that good of a player because um, as as much as you don't want to think that money changes people's opinions i can't if <laughs> he's going to still want to win tournaments so he's going to still want to be throwing discs that he likes and feels comfortable with but you feel that it's going to be difficult for him to turn down 4 million 4 million dollars contract it, to it be extremely hard for anybody um especially i mean disc golf is not at that point where some of the other uh, professional sports are money wise um it's still a growing sport it still needs um uh, outside sponsorships to to gain money um you know the the companies the way that they're paying their players is by them selling the plastic right so uh, we were just talking about Ezra. You know, if you're an Ezra fan, you're going to go out and you're going to buy one of his nukes. Uh, if you're a Brody Smith fan, you went out and brought bought the Dark Horse Roach and the uh, or and um, the the Get Freaky Zone, right? You're buying those plastics, which then are help paying uh, the sponsored players for those teams can we not talk about the brody can we not talk about the brody smith discs because i always spent 130 quid on a three pack getting them sent over from america thinking no one would have them and now now i see that some shops over here are stuck in brody smith discs oh man if you only knew an american who could have got it for you cheaper <laughs> a question i'd ask you then dennis is yeah. um with would, would you being a discraft fan being you play all discraft would you buy the tour series discs in in the hope of keeping certain pro players that you like to make it worthwhile for Discraft to keep them on? Would do you see it as supporting them in that respect in terms of come and join the team that I like? Um, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I have I have a lot of players around all of disc golf that I, I like and that I think are good players. Um, and it doesn't just have to be a Discraft player. But if, if somebody has a signature disc, I'm a full, firm believer, you should go, if you like that guy, buy their disc, support them. Because what you're doing is you're helping keep them on tour. Um, you're helping then uh, that person to be able to travel, play more golf, uh, win more tournaments. Uh, and so it, it's nothing. It's, it's a good thing. Um, same thing in, like, say, basketball, right? You have a pro athlete who gets a pair of Nike shoes with his name on it. All the people that like this guy are going to buy those shoes because it has his name on it. He's going to get a little kickback. Uh, same thing in disc golf. If you like somebody, you need to go out and support them. Firm believer of that. Nice. Right. 
Final bit of news. The Shelley Sharp Memorial was on at the weekend. The men's winners winner was Adam Hammes and Drew Gibson came in second. And then the women's winner was Jennifer Allen. I didn't see any of it. Um, but well done to... Uh... Yeah, it's popped up on YouTube. I, I, I saw it. Um, I did see that Adam Hammes won. By the way, another Discraft player. Just, <laughs> just saying. Um, but yeah, no, good to them. I think... I could be wrong. It might be the first official um, tournament of the season. I know that February, all the big tournaments, like the famous tournaments that Jomez is going to cover, uh, start in February. So we're less than a month away from the actual season, uh, the Disc Golf Pro Tour season to really kick off, and I'm super excited about that. Yeah, me too. Me um, too. Right, should we wrap the news up and uh, move on to the, yeah, the main let's, topic? let's move on to the main topic. So now we're going to get into the first official topic of In the Chains. Um, this topic is, is something we thought about. Uh, we're going to talk about the first and only tournaments that Duffy and I have played in. Uh, so we're going to give you guys a little breakdown of the tournament, how we felt, what was going through our minds, why we did what we did. Um, and that's just kind of what we're going to talk about. So get ready for uh, talking about the Autumn Open at Quarry Park. Can I just say, it's a bit self-indulgent from you two, our first proper podcast, and you're choosing the topic about ourselves. Well, why didn't you play? Uh, oh, I, I'm going to... I remember now why you couldn't play. Go on, let's hear it. Let's hear your side. You you weren't allowed. You asked permission and you wasn't allowed. I did not have to ask permission. Permission from my lovely partner Charlotte. What I actually had to do was I was meant to be go- like doing a guided tour up Snowdon with my partner, my mate, and his partner. But due to that, this is the first because it was cancelled. Let me just add that the Autumn Open was cancelled the first time. So on that weekend, I was meant to be going up Snowdon, so I couldn't sign on to it. It the Autumn Open then got moved, and I applied as a reserve and just didn't get on that's that's my story and i'm sticking to it what i heard was wah, 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 wah. i don't wear the pants of my it's a joint decision from both of us and if she says no it means no well you guys made the wrong decision i am a mountaineer expert so when people need me i have to be there sometimes even though it didn't all, happen all the gear no idea <laughs> I did I did get an ice axe for Christmas that I haven't broken yet. Well, this isn't the ice axe <laughs> podcast. This is the disc golf podcast. Um I will say though, Bowen, we missed you. Um it was a lovely tournament. Um Ollie from Corey, uh, Corey Park did a great job putting it on. And if that's what I have to look forward to for tournaments from here on out, um I was pretty impressed and I am excited to do a lot more. Uh, Duffy, what were your what were your first impressions? Uh, well, let's let's go back um, a little bit. Um, what made you want to play in the tournament? Basically, that you you were playing, and I wanted to beat you in all honesty. Um, but I, I I wanted to play in the tournament because I wanted to see how I fared against other people, other novices. Because I mean, just to let everybody know, we we entered in the the MA four category. Uh, it's first tournament. We didn't know what to expect uh, from from both of us, really, uh, and um, I just wanted to see how I how I fared against other people, how long 
other people in the MA4 category have been playing for, uh, what they were scoring, uh, and it, just just as a bit of an insight to w- where I am in sort of in a progression sort of uh, standpoint. So, so like to join a tournament, do you need to become a member of the PDGA? What or do you not? What do you need to do? No, no. Um, I mean, Dennis, Dennis was a was a member at that time. I'm I'm a member now. Uh, when I played in the uh, the the Quarry Park Open, I I didn't have a PDGA number or anything like that. I I entered um without having that membership, so that sort of that didn't stop me. Um, but since since then, I have I have uh, registered and, and got myself a PDGA number. I I would recommend it if. Um, if the tournament is a sanctioned tournament, uh, PDA, PDGA sanctioned tournament, because of the disc golf rating system and it helps build your rating, and so you kind of know where you are um, in the community, both of whatever group you're playing with and as a whole. Um, if it's not a sanctioned tournament and it's your first tournament, I say you don't have to be a member um, because you may play a tournament and realize, ah, oh, tournaments aren't for me. I don't really want to be competitive. I just kind of want to go out and throw the discs. Um, so I, I really think it's a personal choice. I'm glad that I became a PDGA member because for me, I want to uh, support the sport any way I can. And by giving the money to have that paid membership, uh, I feel like I'm doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just just one thing to note. I I had a rating um, through playing in the Quarry Park Open or the, I had a rating for the, for the two rounds that we played in. Um, when I join the PDGA after the event. Um, there was an option to send in, as long as it was a PDGA sanctioned event, to send to sort of link up the the tournament results and and rankings, uh, and then they would then use that as part of your rounds in order to get your your uh, PDGA rated. Your I don't know what it's called. You you'd know better than me, Dennis. But the the rate the your disc golf rating they they can use uh, they can use a tournament result prior to you having a PDJ membership, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Also, what when you when you sign up to the PDGA um, and you play in tournaments, you're going to see what you score in tournaments, what you place, how many points you receive. Uh, I think here in the UK that really helps because your point system in the category you play will then give you points and give you a seating, I think, for this year's British Championships. Um Again, like always, if I'm wrong, please call me out and, and tell me what the right answer is. Uh, but I think that's where it's worth. So how you do builds your points, and then you get to play at the uh, some of the bigger tournaments at the end of the season. What What did you wake up feeling like for the tournament? You two were you were you stressed? Were you anxious? Were you calm? Like, what's the thought process going through your head on the morning waking up? I personally, I, I was really nervous. In in fairness, uh, purely. It, it, not that I wanted to win, nothing like that. It's just I didn't want to make a tit of myself, uh, not knowing what to expect. Um, but I mean, I I'm sure Dennis will agree. It it was nothing, nowhere near as competitive. You basically built it up in your mind of being a bigger deal than it actually was. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, exactly. On the on the day, everybody was really nice. It was nowhere near as competitive as what I thought it was going to be. Um, and it, it, are you calling out the players on your card saying they're rubbish? Are you then, Duffy? Well, we're gonna, we're going to talk about Duffy's card in in a few minutes. All right. <laughs> um, what we're not going to do until the end um, is we're not going to let you guys know what we scored until the end of our discussion. 
Um, we don't want any biases. We don't want you guys to turn it off, tune in to see who won. Um, <laughs> but uh, my mindset going in, so I am super competitive. Um, not necessarily with the people that I'm playing against. Um, I'm competitive with myself. I always want to do better than I did the previous time I played. However, something like this where it's a tournament, um, I was I was in the competitive mood. I wanted to go out and win and play good golf. Uh, but like Duffy, I didn't want to make a fool out of myself. You know, having this being my first tournament, um, I wanted to see could I step up and play in the division that I chose or am I, was I too good for that dis, uh, division? Should I have never entered the tournament at all in the first place? Those were all the things that I was thinking about. Um, and then once I got there, like Duffy said, it it was competitive. Don't, don't get us wrong. We played competitive golf. However, everybody was super friendly. We were, all the competitors were talking to each other. Uh, they were hanging out. Uh, just you know, bullshitting and just just talking and just um, having a good time, waiting for their rounds to begin. But I think that also goes with the disc golf mentality and what the sport of disc golf is. Yes, people are competitive and they want to win. However, they're still very friendly doing it. I think uh, Ali, who organised the event, did a really good job in terms of um, mixing abilities. So it wasn't. It, they didn't have everybody in the open category competing against each other on one card. It was they had somebody in the open category, somebody in the advanced, somebody in the intermediate, somebody in the novice. So you could get it. It it was good because you could get an idea then of of the different what you've got to aim for. But equally, it was you didn't necessarily feel like you had to compete against. You wasn't competing against everybody on the card. You could it sort of allowed you to play your game a bit more because you knew you wasn't going to beat. Well, certainly me and Dennis weren't going to beat uh, the people the the sort of the advanced players on our card. Uh, so it sort of took the pressure off a little bit. I that's what I felt felt anyway. Did you find that playing with the I, I don't want to sound horrible the better players than yourselves that it changed your game? It made you look at the course differently. It made you choose different shots. I don't think it made me choose different shots. Um, I had a game plan going in. I knew what disc I was going to throw off of the tee of each hole. Um, I kind of did a, a practice round the weekend before, so I knew this is what I want to throw off this hole. This is where my good miss is. This is where my bad miss is. Um, so I had a game plan. What it did allow me to do with, with playing people who were definitely better than I was was it stepped up my game. It made me want to be better. Uh, I paid more attention to my form, my footwork, the lines that I had chosen to make sure I hit those. Um, and then after the tournament, I actually asked some of my card mates, hey, I'm new. This is my first time playing this tournament. What did you think? How do you think I did? Um, and then Ben, one of my card mates, he actually, he and I got to talking afterwards and he gave me some great pointers, which now I have... Uh, Use, use those pointers in my game, and my game's improved a lot. Um, I, I was lacking on the accuracy. Uh, a lot of times when I did my run-up and my throws off the tee pad, I would turn my back to my target to try to get more power, and I was I was driving well, and I was throwing it further um, or as far as the, uh, the MA2 and MA3 guys on my card. 
However, I was lacking on the accuracy. So he showed me a way of, hey, this is how you can keep your accuracy and still have that power that you had. What about you, Duff? Did you pick up any sort of pointers from the better players? I mean, I on on my card, I had um, let's let who who was on your card? Well, I had I had Derek uh, Derek Robbins, who's you probably all know, he's a course owner. Um, he's been around for for donkey's years in uh, disc golf. Everybody knows him. Uh, so so again, that added more pressure going into it, thinking, Jesus Christ, I can't make myself look an idiot here. Um, and then I had uh, a lad called Ali who played in the the one above the amateur, the one above the novice category. Um, Ma three. Who? Uh, yeah, that I think. Yeah, I think Ma three. Yeah, uh, he he um, he'd come from a ultimate frisbee background, so. It was his first tournament as well, I believe, uh, but he he could launch uh, like all ultimate frisbee uh, players, which make you feel sick that they can launch a disc miles, absolutely miles. Uh, and but but he, I imagine he was he was nervous as well, being his it, it was his first tournament. Uh, and the other lad on our tour was Shane, and uh, on our card, sorry, Shane, uh, and it was it was his first tournament as well. He was in the MA four category like myself. Um, and um, we we all got on really well. To be fair, we, it it was it wasn't a case of everybody was silent, focused on their own game. We was all having a chat, going around. It was it was really quite quite nice like that. Um, now my my plan, knowing that I was going to be playing with uh, with Derek, is um, follow. I mean, nobody's going to know the course better than the person who uh, bloody designed it. So I thought, well, if I if I can sort of try and follow the same sort of lines as him, I can't. I can't go far wrong, sort of thing. Then, uh, now through through nine holes, I was I, I was outperforming my uh, ability. I think it's fair to say, and um, I I was I was doing really well. I was keeping. I was going toe to toe with with Derek, uh, and then it it all went uh, it all went well. I say it all went to shit. The um, the heavens opened and uh, absolutely poured it down. Uh, it was and I, horrendous. I mean, I'd gone through both of my towels in about six holes, and we still had another round to play. Uh, so it, it was so wet, uh, and I think I just lost. I lost the the feel and the grip of the disc, and I think that's something that I'd I'd like to sort of work on uh, to, to to get better. And I feel like that's what let me down at the end of the first round because of. Up, up until sort of nine holes, I was doing phenomenally well. Uh, really, really pleased. Um, what about you, Dennis? Who, who was on your card, Dennis? Um, I played with a Scottish guy named Callum. Really nice. Um, so he, uh, I want to say he was MA3. Uh, he's Scottish, but he came down from Manchester. Really nice guy. It was his first time actually playing the course. Um, so some of us who have played it more times kind of told him some of the lines. Um, I played with Ben, who was MA2. Uh, ben, super nice guy. He actually shot a five uh, five over round on, the, on that first round, um, and he was doing really well in contention uh, for winning his division. However, he had a, a second round that was a little worse than his first round, um, so I don't think he got first. And then um, another MA4 player... Uh, by the name of Ray, um, who it was his first tournament. Uh, we had a lot of fun. My card started off really quiet. Uh, we didn't really talk much to start off with. Um, 
but I, I, I couldn't deal with the silence. I'm, I'm a friendly guy. I like to think I'm friendly. I want to talk. I want to have a good time. Uh, so like I was asking little questions here and here and there on holes one and two. And finally, by the time we got to hole three, I was like, you know what? Screw this. I, I'm going to have conversations with these people. I'm going to try to make them laugh. We're going to have a good time because we're just four guys going out and playing around the golf. Um, and so it was a lot of fun. I'm going to force them to talk. Basically, I, I'm not going to sit here in silence. Um, this we're not on the professional level. Um, so let's let's have some fun. Let's play some disc golf. Plus, I want to get to know these guys. I want to get to know, you know, everybody in the community, um, you know, who you are, where you're from, why you're playing disc golf, how long you've been playing, um, all those those questions that everybody pretty much asks these days. Um, but it was it was good. It was a fun time. Um, again, I was worried more about the cold than I was the rain until it started raining. Uh, that first round, I think I was on uh, hole 17, or it was, it was technically hole 14. Uh, we were playing the real 17, but it was our 14th hole, and, and the heavens opened up, and it was horrendous. We got soaked. Um, of course, then we had to sit for half hour, 45 minutes, uh, waiting for the next round to start. Again, it sprinkled on and off that second round, and then near the end, it just opened up again. Um, by that time, I was soaking wet. I was miserable, and things were just not going my way. Because your your tee off time was it was on the same because they split the tee offs, didn't they? Uh, some uh, half of the group started on uh, hole one, half started on I think it was like hole eight, I think. Um, and you were you were ten minutes. You were then the the tee off time before before me. Uh, or for our card rather, uh, and there was a ten minute gap, and it was quite nice because I could see your reaction because a lot of the holes when you, you sort of crossed down the fairways, I could see how you were doing. I could, and I mean after I was going down the fairway of hole one, and you just teed off on hole two, and you looked at me as if to say, "Nah, my my day's fucked already." <laughs> yeah, uh, basically, uh, it was nice that we were there, and we could we could kind of communicate like, how are you doing? You know, are you up? Are you down? Did you have a good shot? Uh, yeah, hole one, uh, very first tee off of the day, um, and, and I had the plan of I, I wanted to hit the gap of the trees because we were playing the black tee, so I wanted to hit the first gap. Uh, head right. If anybody knows Quarry Park, you got that tree right there in the middle. I wanted to throw. Uh, right towards it and have my my disc finish to the left, so then I would have the uh, the gap towards the basket, and I went right of the furry tree over the pond, and then I ended up in fairway uh, number two's fairway, and I was like, you have got to be kidding me! Second throw, had a plan, threw in the bushes, and I was like, okay, the competitive side is gone. Now I'm just gonna have fun. I'm gonna relax, and uh, actually, I think I parred. Uh, hole two, I I got to, um, I got to hole three, had a decent drive. I actually I used a titanium mantis off the drive on hole three. I ended up pin high on the left hand side by the fence. Uh, I had a 33, 34 foot putt, and uh, it was actually my first birdie ever on hole three. Nice. And from that point on, I was like, all right, let's go. You know what? Uh, I may not win this thing. I may come in last. However, I just birdied a hole I never birdied before. Uh, let, let's do this. Let's have some fun. Um, I I remember 
on the the build up to the tournament, like the couple of days before, the thing that I was panicking, no, obviously knowing Quarry Park, uh, the course itself, the thing I was panicking about the most was playing off the black tee on the the normal nine, uh, the normal eighth hole, which is the one up by the bank, Avon Call, and I think it's called. Uh, you've got the you've got the river running down the left hand side. Um, the amount of discs that we've we've collectively we've lost in that bloody river. Um, that that was a that was a tee off that was a tee I was panicking about the most. I, I didn't want to lose a disc that I was really happy with. But in a tournament, you feel like you have to throw because normally what I would do is I would choose a disc that I don't mind losing as much, <laughs> uh, which isn't always well. It's not the best best approach. Uh, but in a tournament, you feel like you have to throw your best disc, and I was just hoping that I wasn't going to lose uh wasn't going to lose a disc now fortunately uh on the first round I um I mean I, I drove it the furthest and it was probably about six six sixty five seventy feet away uh and then I hold out from there and uh everybody on the card sort of erupted in like claps and stuff uh and you you were going down the ninth and you turn around and they, everybody looked, and I just looked at Dennis, and Dennis just stuck his middle finger up at me. Good, lovely. Yeah, because um, you're an asshole, because um, because you weren't supposed to do that. Because I think I, I came away with a par on that, and it was yes, I was competing against the other field, but because Duffy was playing, that was my competition. In my eyes, I wanted to beat him uh, because whenever we play any course, we always compete against each other to see. Who does better that day? Uh, you guys will learn that for the most part, we're pretty even. Uh, some days I'll win, some days he'll win. Um, but we can't ever have, and we never have, both had great rounds on the same day. It's either one person is doing extremely well or the other person is doing shit. Um, we've never actually done stellar rounds at the same time. So when he made that, I knew that no matter what happened before, he was now one up on me. Um, which then, of course, lights the fire for the rest of the holes to come. Can I ask a question tied into psychology? Because because I've never been in a tour. Are you gonna Are you gonna ask us if you can ask a question every time? I am going to ask you if I, if I can ask a question. Yeah, I always do that. So the sort of psychology aspect. I haven't I haven't competed in a tournament. I'm planning on entering as many tournaments as I can next year. If you're allowed. What's your approach to it? Are you? If I will be allowed, don't worry about that. Uh, are you conservative with your shots? Are you trying to push it so you get you play your best shot? What are you doing? Are you laying up for putts or you are you going for it? What are you doing? Yeah, for me, so so I went in, like I said, I knew uh right away what I wanted to throw on every hole, um, and then I would kind of deal with the consequences afterwards. Um again, like Duffy, having played that course so many times, I knew what my trouble holes were. I knew which ones um, were, I, I don't want to say guaranteed pars, um, but a guaranteed par. Uh, and I look for me, getting an actual birdie is definitely a bonus. If I get a par um, on, on certain holes, I, I feel like I should be getting that. In some holes, like a par is a bonus. Um, and then a, bir- or then a bogey, can happen sometimes um 
but sometimes a, a bogey on certain holes is okay, where on other holes it's not okay. I think for my first tournament, I didn't put a lot of thought into um, positional play, if you will. Um, I played my game, kind of just let happen what would happen. Now, I think from future tournaments, uh, especially if Duffy and I are competing again, um, it really depends on, okay, uh, what is what is the risk re- reward of a certain shot? You know, you asked about that 25 putter, 25 foot putt. Well, if my putting is on that day, hell yeah, I'm running it. I'm running it okay. every time because I know that my miss, maybe five, is a five foot long, five foot short, five foot left or right. Okay, now now I have what a tap in. Um, again, if there's danger area, uh, maybe I'm not running it long because then I have a, hard, a harder shot coming back. Also, if I'm if I'm leading Duffy or the other field by a couple strokes, and I can afford to lay it up to to get a guaranteed par, uh, then I'm definitely doing that. Um, but I also think with that, if if I'm in a tournament and I'm down and I'm trying to be competitive and I'm feeling good, you've got to go for it. Now I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be a little riskier. I'm going to maybe take a line that I'm not used to. I'm maybe going to run a putt that. If I make it, it's going to be a great birdie. Um, however, if I miss it, I could be in a little bit more danger. So it all, for me, depends on uh, tournament for ter- tournament to tournament from now on and also how competitive I really want to be. I think what, what suited me, I mean, some people liked it, some some didn't, was that there wasn't live scoring on the day because I think UDISC allows uh, sort of a live scoring system, but that, that wasn't implemented on the day. And I, th- I feel that that, as a more of a cautious player than what, perhaps Dennis's, uh, suited me because I, I didn't have to know what everybody else was doing. I didn't, oh, I need to make up shots here. I need to I need to do something special. I could literally just play my game and not have to worry about what it, what anybody else is doing. Yeah, had I, had I known what the live score was, I would have been super, super aggressive because that's just who I am. And I think I would have actually done worse than I did. Yeah, I think, um, I think you would have. Because I would have gone, I would well, have been more aggressive. The, this leads into what I was about to say. And I'm interested to hear what listeners think. Do you do you two check your scores mid-round? Is it something you want to keep tabs on, or are you a player that just doesn't want to know? You just want to play your game. Uh, in the, in the tournament round, I was I was keeping scores one of the rounds, so I knew what what I was at, and I was obviously could see it then. Uh, the first round, I didn't score. And I didn't really care uh, until halfway through. And that's just like when we play our little practice yeah. rounds. I don't ever care what the score is until I'm halfway done with the round. And then I come on, I want to know where I'm at. Um, I I don't know which one I really like better. Um, knowing my score, if I, if I was doing bad, I would know I was doing bad. And now I'm in my head and I'm getting frustrated. However, I don't also know if I'm doing well because nobody's yeah. telling me the score. So... Um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I I'll, I'll see at the next tournament exactly what I want to do, and it also depends on really how competitive I feel against the other field. You know, if if it's a course that I know well, if, if you know, if the next tournament is Quarry Park, actually my next tournament is gonna be Wembley, which I've never played. Um, so I'm not really gonna care about the score all that much because I don't know the course. I'm not gonna do as well as I probably should. If, if I've played it five, six times. Um, one last question before we ra- uh, wrap up our topics. Um, Duffy, so tell me, 
with the we've already talked about our best shots in the tournament. Tell me what the hardest what you thought the hardest hole was, and and why it was the hardest hole, and did you like it or did you not like it? Um, the hardest hole in terms of actual uh, disc golfing for me is uh, on the black course. I, I don't, I'm not sure the number, but it, it's the one where you start up high on the, the higher area and you play down, you miss the first basket and you play down to uh, the basket that's near the river. Um, uh, the big long, the yeah. um, basically old five, old six. Original six playing into seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. That's um, it yeah. I, I don't like. Not that I don't like the hole. I don't like playing that hole because I always I feel like I struggle on that hole. Um, so for, okay. for me, for is me, that the river is that the river or is no? It yeah, it's the one just about the distance. It, yeah, but Bo, Bo, I think Bowen's asking is is it the is it the river that's in in my head in terms of why I don't like the hole? It's it's not that. It's just. For me, it's those the two the two trees that you can see through the gap. My my shot, I I tend to put everything well a lot more on a on a hyzer, uh, and I I don't like going to the right of those trees, which I feel like is the play on that on that hole. Um, so so, I, for me that that was the, that was the toughest hole. I don't like driving off eight, which I said about. Uh, but the 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 hardest hole of the day, I think for everybody was hole. What not the normal hole thirteen, um, just because of how wet it was, it was like uh, it was like an ice skating rink. I think everybody on somebody on everybody's card had somebody uh, slip over on it. Um, is that the one as you go up to the elevated basket? Is it? Is that the no, one that we're talking about? No, the one about? not that one. The one, the one after that's it's there's like a slope all the way all the way along oh, the hole. Oh, the slope. The slope. That's a horrible hole you know, in any the, way. The, that is the one hole that I I hate. I never do well on that hole. Um, now, I, I think though in the tournament, the hole before that, the one that was in the woods, um, that that hole for me was almost impossible. It was really hard for for my card mates as well. Um, I, and I think in my mind is I want to take, for me, I want to take a mid range through the gap, hit the next gap, and get near the basket. When the actual play is probably to take a putter, make the first gap land just short of the second gap and then you have an approach um, up next to the pin and then you're putting in for a par rather than trying to go for that birdie play because if you hit the trees now you're hitting throwing it again and most likely you're going to hit another tree and so you're turning what could be a decently medium hard par into um, it's going to be hard to get a five it's this uh, whole so risk. Whole... It's this whole risk re- risk reward thing, isn't it? What's the play to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think as we get better at tournament play and we start playing more tournaments, we'll be able to assess that risk a little bit easier, and we'll know. Okay, this is where I'm at. I, I'll go for the par here rather than try to go for the birdie. Right. So I think what everybody's dying to find out. I think you can tell by my voice what uh, what the outcome is going to be. What what were the scores between us, and where did we finish? Oh Jesus Christ! Okay, so I knew you were going to bring this up. I was trying to avoid this topic the whole time. So in <laughs> the in the first round, I shot a fourteen over. Yeah. Par. And then in the second round, I shot an even worse eighteen over. And I'm going to blame it on the rain, the wind, and it being cold. And um, I had sand in my underwear, 
and um, there was something in my eye, and I had a, and I had a poop, and there was a lot of things going against me. The the day had a Y in it. What uh, what did I score? I can't, I can't remember fully off the top of my head. Oh, I think you can though. I think you have it written down in your notes. He's got it framed. I know what he's like. He's got it framed. A certificate framed. Oh, wait, I've got a certificate somewhere. Yeah, God. What 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 were the scores? What did I score? Sorry. I don't know what you scored. I didn't score your round. Of course you oh, didn't. This why is you, great organisation. Well, but I, I think everybody knows that I did. I didn't win. So I'll, between between Duffy and I, I've got I've got it as a screensaver on the on my phone. Um, <laughs> on the uh, I, I scored. You're such a dick. I scored uh, on the first round. I scored eleven over, um, which when we come through after the first round, um, we discovered that I was one shot i think behind the leader of the ma4 category um correct and then uh so obviously that that piles on pressure they're thinking oh, if, if i could, i do i felt if i could play this a similar round uh again i felt like that might be enough to uh to do it uh to to win it but um i i, sh- I shot one less so i shot 10 over uh and um I felt I felt good about it. I must admit, I thought this is a chance. I have got a chance, uh, but unfortunately, I was uh, I was beaten by a better player on the day. Um, I don't unfortunately I don't know the name. Um, I, I I got it. Yeah. Um. So so you ended up shooting a twenty one uh, over par for both rounds. Uh, Duffy came in second uh, at the MA four division for his first tournament ever, which is very impressive. Um, as sad as I was to lose to him. Um, I was super proud that he uh, did so well. Uh, I ended up coming in sixth with a uh, um, an abysmal 32 over. Um, not that I um, not that I thought I was going to win. I was more disappointed with myself. I thought I should have done better. But let me give some quick congratulations to Andrew Malcolm for winning the MA4 division. Ryan Ford for winning MA3. Andy Partridge for winning MA2, Amanda Bryant for women for winning the Advanced Women Division, and Jonathan Tweed winning the Professional uh, Division. Derek came in second, Josh Birmingham third, and Jamie Matthews came in fourth. Uh, so overall, a very good tournament. Um, I'm definitely going to play in another one. Um, actually. As soon as this COVID stuff ends, I'm going to play in as many tournaments as possible. Hopefully, that's my way of touring the UK um, is to go on a disc golf tour. One thing I do want to say, uh, the very next weekend, me, Duffy, and Bowen went back to Quarry Park. We played the autumn layout, and I shot a 7-over. Duffy shot a 15-over, so the roles were reversed. And I scored a twenty-two, I think. But he couldn't do it on the day. Couldn't do it on the day, so the pr- the, the pressure got to me. <laughs> um, but hey, you know what? It's it is what it is, and I will beat him the next time. So um, that that is our uh, talk about the autumn open. Um, as we play more tournaments, we will give you a breakdown. Uh, Bones raising his hand like he has a question. What's up, Bowen? Can I uh, let me just ask Duffy quickly? Can you let everyone know what you were scoring after the first nine in your first round, Duffy? Can Can I just ask a question? Um, can I Can I just I give think, an answer? 
I remember what you told me, and you were knocking along at one over on your first nine, weren't you? So how yeah. the hell did you manage to mess it up after that? Through eight holes, I was level with with. I was yeah, I was let. No, I wasn't. Uh, through. Oh, he's lied. He's lied. Yeah, I think I made it. Up. I basically, I was I was doing well. <laughs> I was doing well. I can't remember what the actual you, score was. You were hanging was, in with Derek. But I was hanging with Derek, that and that that's my uh, that's what yeah. I'm clinging on to. That's my claim to fame. Is, is yeah, I was gonna say that's your claim to fame <laughs> for this tournament. I, no, that's that's great. Eight, eight holes in, um, I felt like I was gonna just retire. I felt like I'd <laughs> I'd done what I needed to do uh, in the sport. I I had nothing else to prove. And uh, that that was going to be it for me. Uh, what you're saying is you peaked too soon. Yes, yes, very much so. Disc golf completed it, mate. We we did miss you, Bowen, and uh, we can't wait for you to come play with us on the next tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, you're definitely going to learn a lot, um, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun. If so, you could, moving if on. If you could, I was yeah. about to say, if you could give one tip to someone who's never played a tournament, what would it be quickly, both of you? Relax and have fun. Um, most likely you're going to, most likely you're going to play a tournament at a course that you already know. Uh, so just go out there and pretend it's a practice round. Pretend you're playing with your buddies and just have fun. It's a great time. Good opportunity to meet new people. Um, and I think once again, we're going to talk, we're going to be talking about it for months. As soon as COVID ends and we can hug each other and be close um, you're going to get to know some great people, make lifelong friends, and it's just a good opportunity. So just relax and have fun. Exactly the same as what exactly the same as what Dennis said. Um, don't don't beat yourself up about it before the tournament. Everybody who was there was really nice, friendly. Even in the top category, they were taking the mick out of each other. They were what? What's your score? Oh bloody hell! I'm going to beat him or and this sort of stuff. It wasn't. It wasn't really ultra competitive it was all really friendly like dennis said it's a good way to get to know other people who's playing uh and uh, and, make, and make new friends in the sport so um but that, that that's my takeaway as well yeah and i think you know those guys in the open division they all know each other they've been playing against each other for a long time um, and this, they've become friends and so they're competitive with each other and they like to uh, take the piss and have a good time. So that was the Autumn Open held at Quarry Park. Um, and now we're going to move to, I think, my favorite section, uh, Duffy's Question Corner. We're going to have to come up with a better name than that. But this is where Duffy's going to ask uh, for Bowen and I's question. Um, and, yeah. Okie doke. My question. Uh, this week's question is, is there any point in learning a forehand when, like James Conrad, you can get around just using a backhand when 99.9% of the time a backhand is going to be suffice? Um, is is what is there? You are you better off perfecting the backhand as opposed to mixing it up with putting a forehand in as well? Uh, I'm gonna go first on this one, Bowen. So, because you're you, you love your forehand, um, I I look at it two different ways. So there is definitely times where you want to have a forehand. Um, I think at at my level, at, at our level, we don't need a forehand drive right now. Right, we don't need to throw a forehand a hundred meters straight down, um, and land on the fairway. 
I think where we do need a forehand is when we get into trouble. If we have an errant tee shot that goes into the woods and we don't exactly, uh, we're not able to do the reach back uh, with a backhand and the only shot we have is a forehand, we need to be able to throw that controlled approach forehand with a little finesse to get it land close near the uh, basket so that we have a putt. So from my opinion, I say uh, we before we learn how to drive a forehand, we need to learn how to approach and how to do touch shots with a forehand. What about you, Bo? My sort of position is I can't... Some courses, you need to be able to throw it from left to right. I mean, Shrewsbury has a, has a lot of holes where you need to be able to throw it left to right. And I don't really have a flex shot in my bag, so I have to rely heavily on my forehand to sort of like... You know where like you can sort of hug the trees on the right-hand side and you know it's going to finish left? If I, if I can't seem to do that, so what I have to do is sort of compensate by throwing a forehand if I want to keep it right. It's, it's one of them. I would love to be able to play a backhand really well and not have to throw my forehand... But to me, I'm sort of lacking in that department. And it can be, like Dennis says, a sort of rescue shot. It's, it's, a, it's a lot easier when you're hiding under a bush to throw a forehand like off your knees than it is trying to throw a backhand off your knees. Yeah, I think, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm under no illusion that for a, a well-rounded player, you do need some type of forehand in your game. I'm talking sort of from our perspective. Uh, I feel like if my argument is, I mean, I, I'm my forehand shit. Some, so, I mean, I threw one the other day and it was 110 meters, so I can throw them, but it's just not not reliable at all. And I'm toying with the idea: do I persevere with with learning a, and, and perfecting a, or, or getting a better forehand shot? Or do I just try and bodge my way around on certain shots with with a forced backhand? Now, for to be a, to be a, a well rounded player, obviously the forehand is vital. But at, at our level, is what what I'm kind of asking is, do, is it needed? For me, definitely. I have my own opinion. I think you need to work on your backhand more than your forehand. Um, so yes, so that you... I, and I am do I am doing that. So so like when you go in the field. You need to practice your backhand, backhand, and learn that flex shot. Right, start throwing that, making it flex. Uh, you know, every time we play, I I, I critique your forehand um, and tell you what I think you're doing wrong. Um, however, again, not the expert, but once you get your backhand strong, then you can add that forehand. I do think though that to be a well-rounded player, you need to have all the shots. Um, I wish I had a shoulder so that I could throw a thumber and a, a, a tomahawk. Um, I don't, so I rely on a grenade. So I use that. Uh, I don't use it every time, but I have it in my back pocket in my little tool bag of tricks in case I need it. Same thing with the forehand. I'm never going to drive my forehand as far as my backhand, um, but I can use my forehand to get out of trouble, especially with those approach shots. And I think um, that's why you need to add it to your arsenal. And then once you have it for those touch shots, those approach shots, now you can really hone it in to get your drive. Um, we don't always want to, you know. And with the other shots, with the other backhand shots that we're capable of doing, especially with the discs that we have, 
Uh, we should be able to do most of the things. Again, we 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 may not be able to park um, a left to right hole underneath the basket for a birdie with our backhand. However, we should be able to get it down the fairway enough to see the basket to do our approach to get in for par. So that's that's my opinion on the forehand. All right, great question, Duffy. So now um now this is I know how sad you guys are, but this is we're coming down to the end of the show. Uh, so I just want to again thank everybody for listening. Uh, this show actually has lasted a lot longer than we thought. Uh, I was hoping, glad that we didn't run out of things to talk about. Uh, I do have something for you guys, the audience, to think about. Uh, message us on, we're going to do a little poll. So I think next week we want to cover our bags. Um, so instead of all of us talk about what we're throwing, what's in our bags, we want you guys, the audience, to pick who does their in the bag next week. So go on to our social media uh, go, you know, go to Instagram, go to Twitter, and uh, whoever gets the most votes or the most picks for in the bag, that's who's going to be doing their in the bag uh, next week. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, also, you know, hopefully we'll hear about the James Conrad news, and we can give that to you guys next week. But other than that, uh, just make sure that you guys go out, throw some discs this week, practice your field work, uh, enjoy your week, and like always, keep it in the chains. Keep it in the chains. Thanks for listening to In the Chains. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you like the show, please leave us a review. Until next time, keep it in the chains.